You're listening to Rowan Radio On Demand. Download more podcasts at rowanradio.com. The following program does not represent the views or opinions of the staff or administration of Rowan University or Rowan Radio. 89.7 WGLS-FM. Rowan Radio, 89.7 WGLS-FM proudly presents The Rowan Report, a weekly news magazine that recaps local, national, and international news that affects you. And now, the Rowan Radio News Team. Good morning and welcome to the Rowan Report here on Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM. I'm Allie Bruce with the Rowan Radio News Team. Some of this week's headlines include President Biden fell on stage at the Air Force Academy graduation, rockets fly in Sudan, and the New Jersey Department of Corrections is mourning the loss of an officer. Here's your national news recap for the week of May 28th. President Biden appears to be okay after taking a fall while standing on stage during the U.S. Air Force Academy graduation in Colorado Thursday. Turning around after shaking the last person's hand and ended up tripping on a sandbag. There's a number of sandbags on the stage. NBC News' Gary Grumbach says the president gave the commencement speech and shook hands with graduates as they walked across the stage to receive their diplomas. Towards the end of the ceremony, the president was helped up by people standing close by, including Secret Service agents. Grumbach says President Biden walked back to his seat on his own for the rest of the ceremony. After the ceremony, the president jogged his way back to the motorcade before leaving. A debt ceiling and budget cuts package has passed the House after weeks of back and forth between legislators. NBC's Alice Barr says 71 Republicans voted against it. A majority of Democrats voted yes to overcome the GOP defections and move closer to preventing an unprecedented default on the nation's loans by as soon as Monday. House Speaker Kevin McCarthy is applauding the House's passage of the bipartisan debt ceiling bill. McCarthy said history was made with Wednesday's vote, adding that he feels lawmakers did pretty dang good for Americans. The Fiscal Responsibilities Act would suspend the nation's debt ceiling for two years. It includes non-defense spending cuts and policy provisions. Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell tweeted after the vote, saying, Now it's the Senate's turn to pass this agreement without delay. The deadline to avoid a potential U.S. default is just days away. The Senate raced to pass the debt ceiling bill and avert a default on the nation's debt. The Senate passed the bill Thursday night. The bill passed in a 314 to 117 vote that saw majorities in both parties support this agreement in the Senate. The legislation suspends the debt ceiling and cuts non-defense discretionary spending over the next two years. It also claws back unspent money from the COVID-19 relief bill, some funding from the IRS, and imposes new work requirements on older Americans who receive food stamps through SNAP. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis made presidential campaign stops in New Hampshire on Thursday. While speaking from Laconia, the Republican railed against the Biden administration, arguing unelected bureaucrats in Washington are making the most important policy decisions. He also criticized the woke ideology he claims has seeped into the military and federal agencies. DeSantis earlier this week made campaign stops in Iowa where he ramped up attacks against former President Trump, who's considered to be the Republican frontrunner for the Republican nomination. DeSantis officially jumped into the 2024 presidential race last week. President Biden is urging Air Force Academy graduates to never forget their sacred oath. It's our Constitution, it's our country, and it's our enduring American values. 
The president delivered the commencement speech Thursday morning in Colorado Springs, Colorado. He said the U.S. military is the greatest fighting force the world has ever seen and noted this year's graduating class is one of the most diverse in history. He told graduates they each have the potential to change the trajectory of the country. Attorneys for former President Trump are filing a motion to have a judge recuse himself in a case against him. Trump's campaign website posted a statement Wednesday accusing Judge Juan Merchin of having significant conflicts. Merchin presided over Trump's arraignment on 34 counts of falsifying business records. The motion is not yet public, but reportedly has the details of the alleged conflicts. Alaska state lawmakers are responding to a report that there are Chinese spies in Alaska posing as tourists and trying to access military sites. According to USA Today, some Chinese citizens posed as tourists and attempted to make entry at Fort Wainwright in Fairbanks. According to the article, the vehicle they were traveling in sped through security checkpoints at the installation. When the vehicle was stopped, a drone was located inside the vehicle and the occupants claimed they were lost tourists. In a statement released Wednesday, Senator Dan Sullivan called the incident a wake-up call. Connecticut Governor Ned Lamont is urging state lawmakers to pass more restrictive gun control laws. Scott Pringle reports. Governor Lamont hosted a ceremony in Hartford to commemorate the 30th anniversary of Connecticut's assault weapons ban. He's proposed a series of new bills earlier this year that he says will further strengthen the assault weapons ban and help reduce gun violence. So he's now urging state lawmakers to pass more measures. They include the banning of open carry of firearms in public, updating a ban on ghost guns, and preventing a bulk purchase of handguns. Scott Pringle, NBC News Radio, Connecticut. Conservative leaders in San Diego are supporting an accountability program to help members of the homeless community. San Diego County Supervisor Jim Desmond, El Cajon Mayor Bill Wells, Coronado Mayor Richard Bailey, and Oceanside City Council Member Ryan Kim are holding an event with the CEO of Homeless Provider Solutions for Change. The company says they are not eligible for state or federal funding to help the homeless because they don't follow the housing first approach, instead focusing on treatment and accountability. The group says there has been a 93% increase in chronic homelessness since housing first was adopted in California, and they are looking for alternative ways to help the community. I'm Allie Bruce, and that was your National News. I'm Gavin Trutzenbach with your International News Report. Our first three stories come from the BBC, the first of which takes us to Sudan. Rockets hit a market in Sudan's capital, Khartoum, killing 18 people and leaving more than 100 wounded, according to doctors and residents. The fighting between rival military forces comes as truce talks mediated by the U.S. and Saudi Arabia collapsed. Wednesday's violence around a market in Mayo in the south of Khartoum included artillery fire and aerial bombardment, causing the most civilian casualties in a single instant in the capital since the war began in April. Neighborhood organizations, which have been helping Khartoum's residents get food and medicine, described it as a catastrophic situation and appealed for doctors and blood donations. With so much of the violence taking place in urban areas, civilians are in constant danger. On Tuesday, the Army and its rivals from the Rapid Support Forces, RSF, had agreed to extend last week's humanitarian ceasefire deal for another five days, in talks brokered by the U.S. and Saudi Arabia. But the next day, the Army withdrew from the talks, alleging the RSF was not committed to the terms. The U.S. says both sides have violated the ceasefire, adding it remained ready to help mediate a truce when they were serious about ending the violence. The fighting, which has also been fierce in Sudan's western Darfur region, is a direct result of a vicious power struggle between the two two generals who led the 2021 coup, Army Chief Abdul Fattah al-Burhan and RSF Commander Mohamed Hamdan Dagalo, better known as Hamedti. 
In our second story, NATO says it is ready to send more troops to Kosovo after unrest following the appointment of ethnic Albanian mayors to majority Serb areas. Pristina and Belgrade have blamed each other for the unrest, with Serbian leader Aleksandar Vucic calling for the mayor's removal. The U.S. has also criticized their installation, which came after Serb residents boycotted local polls. Kosovo declared independence in 2008, but Serbia does not recognize it. NATO has already sent 700 reinforcements to Kosovo, but NATO chief Jens Stoltenberg said more might be needed. The alliance already has 4,000 troops there. The mayors were elected after Serbs in northern Kosovo boycotted local elections, depressing turnout to about 3%, and leading ethnic Albanian candidates to be elected. Serb protesters then tried to stop them taking up their posts. Some 30 NATO peacekeepers and more than 50 Serb protesters were hurt in the ensuing clashes. Speaking on the sidelines of a European summit in Moldova, Mr. Vucic said withdrawing the mayors would be the most powerful way to defuse tensions. He insisted that his country would attempt to persuade Serbs to protest calmly and peacefully. But at the same event, Kosovan President Vijosa Osmani blamed Belgrade for the recent violence, accusing it of supporting criminal gangs in the country. Serbia needs to come to terms with its past, he said, adding that the real threat, in fact, is coming from Serbia's denial of existence of a sovereign state. The U.S., which backed Kosovo's independence from Serbia, criticized Kosovo's decision to install ethnic Albanian mayors in northern Kosovo by forcible means, and expelled Kosovo from participating in an ongoing American-led military exercise in Europe. Our third story takes us to the war in Ukraine. The Russian region of Bielgorod has again come under attack from across the Ukrainian border, with at least eight people reportedly hurt in shelling. Russia's defense ministry has also claimed it thwarted other attempts by Ukraine to invade the region. Kiev has not commented on the allegations, but has denied involvement in previous attacks across the border. The latest strikes come more than a week after one of the most significant cross-border raids since the war began. There have been conflicting reports about violence on the border. Russia's defense ministry has claimed its servicemen in the region repelled three attacks by Ukrainian terrorist groups, whose formation suffered significant losses and were driven back. BBC Verify has seen videos from two pro-Ukrainian paramilitary groups, the Freedom of Russia Legion and the Russian Volunteer Corps, announcing raids into Russia's territory. Despite this, local officials have denied reports of Ukrainian troop breakthrough in Shebikino, adding that the situation remains difficult and that the shelling is ongoing. Kremlin spokesman Dmitry Peskov said Russian President Vladimir Putin was aware of the situation in Bielgorod and criticized the International Committee for failing to condemn Ukraine. Kiev has denied involvement in any of the attacks. Our fourth and final international story comes from Reuters. Taiwan and the United States will sign the first deal under a new trade talks framework on Thursday, both governments said, boosting ties between the two at a time of heightened tensions with China over the democratically governed island. Taiwan and the United States started talks under what is called the U.S.-Taiwan Initiative on 21st Century Trade last August, after Washington excluded Taiwan from its larger Pan-Asian Trade Initiative, the Indo-Pacific Economic Framework. The pact is not expected to alter goods tariffs, but proponents say it will strengthen economic bonds between the United States and Taiwan, open the island to more U.S. exports, and increase Taiwan's ability to resist economic coercion from China. Beijing has denounced the trade talks, as it does with all forms of high-level engagement between Taiwan, which it claims as its own territory, and the United States. I'm Gavin Trutzenbach, and that was your International News Report. I'm Riley Adams with your local news. From News 12, the New Jersey Department of Corrections is mourning the loss of a fellow officer who was involved in a motorcycle crash last Saturday night. 29-year-old Sergeant Tyler Ford of Hamilton, New Jersey, was killed while traveling on the New Jersey Turnpike over Memorial Day weekend. The crash occurred around 10 p.m. on the southbound turnpike in East Brunswick 
while Sergeant Ford was off duty. An investigation revealed that a Mitsubishi Outlander was traveling south in the area of mile post 78.7 when the driver attempted to avoid debris in the road and lost control of the vehicle, causing two additional vehicles to become disabled. Sergeant Ford was involved in a crash between two of the three vehicles, which resulted in an ejection from his motorcycle. The crash that shut down the center and left lanes in the roadway still remains under investigation. Also from News 12, with beach season in full effect and following the reported 999 incidents during Memorial Day weekend, Ocean City has also joined in on enforcing new rules for its beaches. Ocean City Police have now enforced an official closing of their beaches at 8 p.m., with an 11 p.m. mandatory curfew for individuals under 18 years old. Backpacks will also be banned on the boardwalk after 8 p.m. From NBC10, a wildfire that has burned thousands of acres of New Jersey forest is now threatening nearby buildings while hardly being contained. The Allen Road wildfire in Ocean County's Bass River State Forest was only 15% contained Thursday morning after burning 3,100 acres, said the New Jersey Forest Fire Service. The full containment zone is expected to be around 6,000 acres. Firefighters initially responded to the wildfire at around 4.45 p.m. on Wednesday, when the fire was only burning in a few dozen acres. About six homes were evacuated, along with the Timberline Campground, bringing the total number of individuals evacuated to 40. The wildfire caused several road closures, including Allen Road, Oswego Road, State Road between North Maple Avenue and Route 679, and Route 679 between 563 and Town Road. The road closures are expected to be in place until at least Saturday, as fire officials are expecting the battle against the blaze to take time to fully contain. From Fox 29, the city of Philadelphia has started a program to battle opioids and homelessness. Sister Mary Skolian is the tireless and renowned co-founder of Project Home, started three decades ago to combat homelessness. Through the years, Project Home has built over 1,000 units called supportive housing that helps not only those who are homeless, but also individuals struggling with addiction. With the help of a $25 million donation from couple Ira Lubert and Pam Estade, Project Home will start the Estade-Lubert Collaborative for Housing and Recovery. Working with Temple, Penn, and Jefferson Health Systems, Project Home plans to build 125 housing units in three years for those who are treated for addiction at the hospitals and have nowhere to go afterwards. Skolian says Project Home will take about three years to fully ramp up, but they are excited and focused to the work ahead. From CBS3, as Asian American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month comes to an end, an Army surgeon made history. Lisa Howe is the first Asian American and the first woman to lead the New Jersey Army National Guard. Keeping it in the family, Howe says that she was inspired by her grandfather, a doctor and two-star general with the Chinese Nationalist Army. Although she wishes it hadn't taken so long, Howe is humble and grateful for the opportunity, as she is also the first Asian and first woman to serve as Commissioner of the New Jersey Military and Veteran Affairs. General Lisa Howe hopes that her journey can inspire others that they can do anything they put their minds to. I'm Riley Adams, and that was your local news. I'm Megan Steckler with your Rowan News. When our nation commemorates Memorial Day each year, Rowan pauses to reflect on those who have given their lives in service, some within our lifetimes, and some who we can only know through history's records. During World War II, three of Rowan's students died while serving. 
Their names are engraved in marble at Bunce Hall. They were the first from the community to lose their lives in conflict, but not the last. Memorial Hall on Glassboro campus acquired its name in 1955 in honor of students who served and sacrificed. Just a moment's thought about the meaning of memorial in the building's name can inspire us all to live with greater appreciation and our own measure of courage in everyday life. When Dr. Emily Blank began studying Juneteenth more than a decade ago, a persistent question drove her research. Why did half of U.S. states commemorate this day, celebrating the liberation of enslaved people in Texas more than two years after the Emancipation Proclamation? Many states had their own Emancipation Days. She will share her findings in her upcoming book, Remembering Emancipation, Juneteenth as America's Emancipation Holiday, which will be published by the University of North Carolina Press. Blank, Associate Professor of History in Rowan's College of Humanities and Social Sciences, previously authored Tyrannicide, Forging an American law of slavery in revolutionary South Carolina and Massachusetts. The newer book traces 150 years of history examining Juneteenth spread in Texas and beyond. Grassroots efforts promoted the adoption of Juneteenth as a state holiday throughout the U.S. In 2021, it was recognized as a federal holiday. It became America's emancipation holiday, Blank said. In her book, she ties that to the response to the murder of George Floyd as well as the COVID-19 pandemic. Juneteenth has a lot of power because it commemorates two important things about who we are as Americans, slavery and emancipation, said Blank, who is developing a Juneteenth digital archive. By freeing enslaved people, we have worked towards freedom, but we know we are still not there. That was your Rowan News. I'm Megan Steckler. That does it for the first half of the Rowan Report, wrapping up this week's national, international, and local news. We are going to take a quick break. Up next, we have your weekly sports, business, and entertainment news. Stay tuned right here on Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM. Welcome back to the Rowan Report. I'm Allie Bruce along with the Rowan Radio News Team. I'm Justin Locke for the Rowan Report, filling in for Jack Miller with your news from the professional sports world. The NBA Finals is set after the Miami Heat beat the Boston Celtics in Game 7 with a final score of 103-84 on Monday Night Memorial Day. The Boston Celtics almost pulled off the first ever 3-0 series comeback, but Jason Taylor's rolled ankle is the crucial reason why the Heat won the series. Jimmy Butler received the Larry Bird Easter Conference Finals MVP trophy after having just one more vote to Kayla Martin. The final vote was 5-4. The Heat are now the second ever AC to ever advance to the NBA Finals and looking to be the first AC to ever win the Finals. The last AC to make the Finals was the 1999 New York Knicks who lost to the San Antonio Spurs in five games. On the other hand, the Denver Nuggets have had over a 10-day break after defeating the Los Angeles Lakers led by LeBron James and Anthony Davis in a four-game sweep. The Nuggets are also looking to make history as their first NBA Finals appearance and are led by the two-time MVP in Nikola Jokic. He also won the Magic Johnson Western Conference Finals MVP trophy after averaging a triple-double with 28 points, 15 rebounds, and 12 assists. The first game of the NBA Finals had to take place on Thursday night at 8.30pm with the second game being on Sunday at 8.30pm on ABC. Now with some coaching news. Nick Nurse, the former coach of the Toronto Raptors, officially was named the new Philadelphia 76ers head coach on Tuesday afternoon after the Sixers fired Doc Rivers just two days after they lost 112-88 on Mother's Day against the Boston Celtics. Another coach signing, Monty Williams, the former coach of the Phoenix Suns, officially was named the new Detroit Pistons head coach after he is set to sign the largest coaching contract in NBA history with a six-year, $78.5 million deal that was announced on Wednesday night. Another sport entering the finals is the NHL with two teams looking for their first ever Stanley Cup championship. 
The two teams include the Las Vegas Golden Knights and the Florida Panthers. The A's seeded Florida Panthers beat the Carolina Hurricanes in a four-game sweep to get to this point, as well as coming back down from a 3-1 deficit against the NHL best record Boston Bruins. The Las Vegas Golden Knights beat the Dallas Stars to get to this point, as well as beating the Winnipeg Jets and the Edmonton Oilers. The Golden Knights are the second most recent expansion team as their first season with this 2017-2018 season, where they lost in the Stanley Cup Finals to the Washington Capitals in five games. The Panthers have now been an NHL team for 30 years exactly as they started in 1993 and are also approaching their second final experience with the first one they lost in 1996 to the Colorado Avalanche. The Stanley Cup Finals is set to start on Saturday night at 8 o'clock. Now switching to the NFL, the Arizona Cardinals on Tuesday officially released wide receiver DeAndre Hopkins, who was a former All-Pro. The 30-year-old Hopkins was a Houston Texan for seven seasons before playing the last three seasons with the Arizona Cardinals. Hopkins is a five-time Pro Bowler receiver and three-time first-team All-Pro with the most recent selection being a 2020 Pro Bowl and a 2019 All-Pro selection. In other NFL news, 15 seasons, Brett Kern decides to hang up his cleats after having a punt average of 45.9 yards, which puts him at 11 best all-time. He also punted the ball 1,006 times, which is 25th most in NFL history. Kern, throughout his NFL career, was a three-time Pro Bowler and was first-team All-Pro in 2019. Now to switch up to MLB, the Philadelphia Phillies placed Alec Bohm on the 10-day IL with a hamstring injury. And currently, the American League holds the three best records in the majors, with the first being the Tampa Bay Rays with a 40-18 record. The Texas Rangers are in second with a 35-20 record. And in third, the Baltimore Orioles with a 35-21 record round off the three best teams in the American League. The next three teams are the Dodgers, the Braves, and the Diamondbacks. The Dodgers have a 34-23 record, the Braves a 33-23 record, and the Diamondbacks a 33-23 record as well. Again, I'm Justin Locke for The Rowan Report with your news from the professional sports world. Megan Steckler with your Roan Report business update. Wall Street is closing with stocks higher to start the month of June. This comes as the House passed the debt ceiling bill Wednesday in a major step to avoid a U.S. default. The bill is now in the hands of the Senate. At the closing bell, the Dow Jones Industrial Average gained 153 points to 33 to 61, the S&P 500 rose by 41 points to 42 to 21, and the Nasdaq grew by 165 points to 13 to 100. Artificial intelligence poses a risk of human extinction. Phil Hewlett explains. The dire warning comes from tech leaders like OpenAI's Sam Altman and executives from Google's DeepMind and Microsoft, as well as others, who know firsthand where artificial intelligence is going and what it's capable of. They've all signed a letter urging world leaders to make AI a global priority on par with pandemics and nuclear war. I'm Phil Hewlett. Air travel this summer across the U.S. is expected to be not only busier than last year, but more expensive, too. One thing that we know about summer travel that there have been predictions of that airfare is still going to be at a pretty high level. So just be aware that things are just costing a little bit more this summer. And so trying to get your plans as much in advance as you can, but also maybe building in a little bit flexibility. That's Ashley Davis from the Quad Cities International Airport. The surge in travel is mainly due to Americans feeling better about getting out post-pandemic. Amazon is paying over $30 million to settle two federal lawsuits alleging its technology violated users' privacy. Two settlements reached with FTC on Wednesday claim Amazon retained its Ring doorbell videos and Alexa voice recordings for years, and in some cases, despite requests by consumers to have their data deleted. The FTC also alleges that lax policies at the Ring doorbell division allowed the footage to be accessed by unauthorized parties. In a statement Wednesday, Amazon said it disagreed with FTC's claims and that it settled to put these matters behind us. I'm Megan Steckler, and this has been your Business News Report. I'm Elle Lawton, and this is your Entertainment News. 
A woman is suing Bill Cosby over an alleged sexual assault that happened more than 50 years ago. Former Playboy model Victoria Valentino filed a lawsuit in Los Angeles Thursday under a new California law that temporarily lifts the statute of limitations for civil sexual assault cases. Valentino told the Washington Post that E. Jean Carroll winning her New York civil case against former President Trump encouraged her to sue Cosby. The actor faces accusations from at least 60 women. Cosby's spokesman told the Washington Post, these women are not victims of sexual assault, they are victims of greed. Billy Joel is ending his residency at Madison Square Garden after more than a decade. The Piano Man has sold more than 1.6 million tickets in that time, and the first of his final 10 concerts will take place on October 20th. The Long Island native says his last show, set for July of next year, will be his 150th performance at the Garden. Since 1978, Joel has set records for the most lifetime performances by an artist at MSG, along with the most consecutive performances. A photographer is suing Ye, the rapper formerly known as Kanye West for assault, battery, and negligence. He was seen on camera taking the photographer's phone and throwing it into the street. She said Ye reached into her car and took her phone out of her hand. She filed a lawsuit with the Ventura County Superior Court, according to Variety. Tupac Shakur is receiving a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. The rapper's memory will be enshrined forever during a ceremony on June 7th, where Tupac's sister will accept the star on his behalf. The honor comes nearly 27 years after he was shot and killed in Las Vegas. Tupac will be the 2758th star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Disney is finally reaching the company's goal of laying off 7,000 employees. Variety is reporting that notices to employees impacted during the third round of cuts were sent out last Friday. The layoffs focus mostly on the media divisions, while the parks themselves remain untouched for the most part. Disney is still planning to drop more roles internationally as time goes on. After a controversial Cannes Film Festival debut, HBO has released the official trailer for Sam Levinson directed series The Idol. The show stars Lily Rose Depp as a rising pop star and co-creator The Weeknd as a powerful sex-obsessed cult leader. The show controversy began earlier this year after the original director, Amy Simetz, decided to exit the show due to a change of creative direction. After the series received low reviews following its Cannes debut, many are curious about how the show is going to perform when it premieres on June 4th. Baby Keem and Kendrick Lamar are dropping a new song. The two released their new collaboration, The Hillbillies, unexpectedly on YouTube Tuesday. In the VHS-style music video, Keem and K-Dot travel to notable places around the world. In between scenes of dance moves and flights on their private jet, they run into Tyler, the creator, who appears to confirm the return of his beloved music festival by flashing a button that says Camp Flognaw 2023. The Hillbillies is the latest collaboration between Kendrick Lamar and his cousin Keem since they teamed up for savior off Lamar's recent solo album, Mr. Morale and the Big Steppers. I'm Elle Lawton, and that was your entertainment news. And that wraps up this week's edition of the Roan Report here on Roan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM. For the Roan Radio News Team, I'm Allie Bruce. Have a great day. You've been listening to The Rowan Report, a weekly news magazine that recaps local, national, and international news that affects you. Be sure to join us every Saturday morning at 9.30 for another edition of The Rowan Report, exclusively here on Rowan Radio, 89.7 WGLS-FM.